Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Hey, hope you're doing well. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Man, oh man, we have had so much hockey to talk about over the last two or three weeks and uh, much later into the summer than it usually goes because of the timetable altered by the pandemic and the season that didn't start until January. Playoffs went into July and we got into the draft and we got into free agency and yesterday was a big day and it was an interesting one and we had some good discussion about it on Inside Sports last night and we will continue with that theme uh, tonight and look at a few different angles in a couple minutes here I want to get to a really great point made by a caller last night who called into the show with his perspective on the Oilers, and it might inspire some of you to participate as well on the hotline presented by Certain Teed Professional Grade Building Materials at 780-496-0063. That's the number to both call and text. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I got to admit, I'm a boring follow, but it's at Reed Wilkins, R-E-I-D-W-I-L-K-I-N-S, and you can email insidesports at 630ched.com. So we'll get to that, and Jack Michaels is going to hop on the show as well, and I'm sure Jack will be uh, energetic and enthusiastic and all those types of things that he usually is. We will also talk about a couple of things with the Edmonton Elks. They made some uh, roster cuts today. A couple of them, I I think, surprising, at least considering how you would have projected the roster going into training camp. So we'll touch on that. And in about an hour, I'm looking forward to this. Brian Kelly is going to be on the show. One of the all-time greats, not just in green and gold, but in the Canadian Football League. And we have our final two positions revealed today. The top vote-getters voted on by you for the Elks all-time franchise all-stars. And we got some marquee positions today and some marquee names, and that is going to be receiver and quarterback. We're going to give you the top four in those two positions. Brian Kelly's on the show, so you can probably guess he's in the top four at receiver. Is he in the top one? He is one of the all-time greats. He does have over 11,000 yards receiving when he played in the Canadian Football League. He did score 97 touchdowns. He did win five great cups. So uh, he, he's pretty high on the list. This, this is going to be a fun one. Quarterback was, was really a no-doubter. It's Warren Moon. I, I think we, we expected that. But uh, I, I wasn't sure who was going to get number two. Uh, so we will talk about that as we move along tonight as well. I do also want to let you know, on a, on a bit of a side note, but I feel I, I should clarify this because it does get brought up by some of you from time to time, especially those of you who have become regular listeners to the show over the last few years. And I do appreciate that. Sometimes I talk about my dear mother on this show and uh, I tweeted this back on May 7th. That was the Friday before mother's day. And I said, in honor of mother's day on Sunday, here are the five athletes. My mom currently dislikes the most. And they were at that time, Corey Perry, 
who today signed with the Tampa Bay Lightning. If you can't beat him, join him. Two years in a row, he's lost in the Stanley Cup final to the Tampa Bay Lightning, first with the Dallas Stars in the bubble here in Edmonton, and then a few weeks ago as a member of the Montreal Canadiens. So uh, Corey Perry was on Mum's list. Patrick Reed, the golfer. Matthew Kachuk, Austin Matthews, and Zach Hyman, which was, I, I was always surprised as the Oilers played the Leafs time and time again this season, the nine games in all, that my mom was just like, she's like, I can't stand Zach that Hyman. I can't stand him. And uh, he was on the list. And now he's an Edmonton Oiler. So my mom's okay with it. She's fine. She's accepted Zach Hyman. I, I'm sure she he will probably become one of her favorite players. I don't know if he's going to become her favorite, but but she's fine with Zach Hyman becoming an Oiler. So I just thought, if because I, I know there are a couple of people who, who texted me about, oh, your mom's going to hate this move. She's okay. And probably all the qualities that she disliked that, that made him dislike her as a member of the Toronto Maple Leafs will probably be one she now admires as an Edmonton Oiler. Tenacious, forechecking, pretty good offensively, kind of an all-around player. So anyway... Uh, that's, uh, that's taken care of. I, I don't, I don't have to worry about my mom, uh, you know, uh, being angry at Zach Hyman all the time. She has accepted, she even, she even came around on Corey Perry as she got on the Canadians bandwagon during the Stanley cup playoffs, which was pretty surprising to see. Anyway, hope, uh, hope your mothers are doing well, or if, uh, you are a mother, I, I hope you're doing well as, that's kind of sounded weird. We'll just go to Kurt on the phone line. <laughs> Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Kurt, you're jumping in early here, man. What's on your mind? Hi, Reed. Um, I was just thinking. I think maybe. Oh man! Imagine Jack Eichel on this team, centering the second line, Drysaitel on the wing with McDavid. That would be incredible, and it's possible if we trade uh, Nuge or Hyman to get that deal going. Well, I I think those guys both got no movement clauses, and I think oh, because they, they just com- <laughs> I think just because they committed to new contracts, I I don't think that they'd be uh, yeah they're not be looking to trade those guys to go to Buffalo either, are they? Yeah, but that is an interesting one. Somebody brought that up to me. Imagine if the Oilers could get Eichel, and I, you know I had a few listeners check in, in in recent weeks too. Kurt, and it's fun to kind of play that fantasy hockey in your head before free yeah. agency. It's like, what if the Oilers could get Ovechkin? What if he came to Edmonton on a one-year <laughs> deal for a discount of three or four million dollars? Of course, he Incredible. got what nine and a half to stay with stay with he the Capitals. But yeah, I, I, with McDavid. yeah, exactly. But yeah, yeah, that that'd be amazing to have uh, to have Eichel for, on the Oilers. I I don't know if there's a formula that makes that happen though, Kurt. What do you think of some of the moves yesterday and Duncan Keith and all that kind of stuff? I like uh, I like the Keith addition, even though he's old. He's going to bring it. I'm sure he is. Uh, Barry's going to do the same thing as he always does. Uh, I don't know too much about the other guys. Uh, Derek Ryan, I mean, he wasn't that noticeable when we played Calgary. And uh, Fogle from Carolina, I heard he's hard-nosed type of guy. He, he'll, he'll fit in with the Oilers. They need that, I guess. Um, is Cassian going to be on the third or fourth line next year? What do you figure? I'm not sure. I, and it, I'm honestly, Kurt, I'm not sure how to differentiate between the third and fourth lines. I, I would think Ryan McLeod's going to center one of them and Derek yeah. Ryan will, will center the other one. 
I and look, I, I said this last night, and it's it's July 29th, so we don't even have a preseason game for a couple of months. I still wonder if there's a possibility that. And, and I know Casting didn't have a great year last year. He missed a couple of stints with injuries. He, in, in the playoffs, he actually was, in, in the two games in Winnipeg, I thought he played pretty well. Um, but we didn't see enough of, of the really powerful Zach Cassian. I still wonder, Kurt, if he gets a chance in the top six at some point. Hmm. Like, could, he, could, could they bump down Yamamoto and, and shelter him a little bit and give Cassian maybe another shot with some of the big guys and see if he can get his feet moving and, and finish with his... Because if he, if he plays and skates, and I know Zach is big and physical, but it seems to me if he gets his feet moving, that's when he's most effective. And it seems to me when he's in a bottom six role, he doesn't quite do that as well. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if he... If he gets fired up after an offseason, then obviously he knows it. He's probably working on the things he needs to work on. It would be great if he gets all fired up, injury-free, and just gets after it. Because, yeah, we've all seen the, uh, the Cassian that we love. And uh, the Cassian that was last year, that was pretty, pretty sad. But injuries played a part of it. And, uh, yeah, I'd love to see that. I'd love to see guys like Dylan Holloway and Kyle Turris push and these guys. I mean, this is our team right now. we gotta, we got to hope for the best of these guys pushing and getting competitive and excited, and hopefully they're working out hard this summer and getting jacked up because they got, like, like everyone knows, they got the two best players in the world. Like, that should be inspiring a lot of people even – I mean, it, yeah. it inspires the fans to watch and inspire the teammates, right? Yeah. You, Kurt. As you get on it. Thanks for calling, man. I got somebody else standing by, but uh, right. but I appreciate that. That's Kurt at 780-496-0063. Zen says, your mother is a smart lady, except now she can swap Zach Hyman for Ryan Getzlaff. Yeah, mom's not a fan of Getzlaff either. Trevor says, I hope your mom's not listening to you doing her voice. Ha, 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 Trevor. Oh, she's listening, Trevor. Trust me. She'll probably have an updated list of her top five most hated athletes available for me after the game. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Good old Elvis is on the line. Elvis, what's shaking, man? Oh man, I was like, I listened to your guys' coverage yesterday and uh, everything, and I mean, you just couldn't stay away from the radio. What? What a flurry of man! That was like crazy, crazy, and I'm pretty pumped. Uh, Kenny Holland swung for the fences, my friend. Well, I think getting Hyman's a big one. Um, you know, I think we talked about it a lot yesterday, the bear trade. I understand why that's a, a difficult trade for a lot of people. And, yeah, I mean, he's still got an upside that I hope manifests itself uh, in Carolina. He had a tough year last year. I think, you know, did he swing for the fences? Um I guess to me, if he would have traded a first rounder and Koskinen and somebody else for a goaltender, maybe that would have been a bigger swing. But I think getting Hyman and Fogel is significant up front. Yeah. You know what, Reed? Like, I, I, and I, this leads to my next question for you. Like, do you think, like, I know Columbus has a few goalies. I knew that, I know that Dallas has, like, I don't know how many they have. I think they have, like, four. I don't know if uh, Gibson, or not Gibson, uh, Bernie plans on coming back or if he's going to play or what he's going to do. But do you think that, that uh, there's a possibility that, is there, can Miko be bought out in September? Is that true or is that false? 
Uh, the I got to check when the second buyout window is. I, I don't think, I think they would. I don't. I don't really get the impression though they'd buy Koskinen out. I think he would sooner move that contract if if possible. If you could get somebody to eat it, and I think that's yeah. why that's why there was a lot of speculation with Kemper in Arizona because they're kind of compiling draft picks right now. So right. I, I think that's why there was somebody was even saying to me today like. Could have the Oilers sent Arizona a first and Koskinen and a prospect and got them to eat almost all of Kemper's salary, right? So you're, right. <laughs> you would have hardly been owed Kemper uh, anything. But, yeah, I uh, I got to check when the second buy. I, I just don't think they're going to buy out Koskinen. I think he'll either be on the team or they'll try to find a way to move him, but that's much easier said than done. Absolutely. And, you know, like I I was, uh, I mean, Elvis Merlinkins, and I'm not saying that because of his name, trust me. Poor guy has uh, uh, probably uh, gone through enough ri- rise, rousing in his life. But anyway, uh, and the other goalie, th- those guys are pretty good, and I don't think they'll hang on to both of them. Do you think he'd ever dangle that first-round pick down there? I think if the Oilers are a really good team, and they need something to make themselves a contender going into the trade deadline. I I would then think Holland would probably go for it. Okay. I think that's the I think that's what he's demonstrated here the last couple of couple of weeks. Great. And finally, one last thing for you: What's your prediction on Staylock? Staylock will come to training camp, and we'll see how he plays. <laughs> Like what yeah. else do you want me to say? I haven't, I haven't seen yeah. the guy in a year. <laughs> yeah, oh, and he hasn't played in a year. True that, but I mean, like I'm just sitting there thinking, like Kenny Kenny Holland's got some options because if they bury Miko in the minors, he would count like for like one point one point four or something against the cap. Right, and Staylock uh, makes next to nothing. Right, so right. He's and, he to me he's a complete dark horse. Like he he's a complete dark horse. But I'm sure he's going to get a chance. I mean, he's Oilers' property, so he'll come to camp and he'll compete. I just have no idea how he's going to play, how he feels, anything like that. I mean, he practiced a bit last year. That's it. Elvis, I got to run, okay? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks, man. I appreciate the time. Okay, I got to call a quick timeout. Mike, you will be up next. It's Inside Sports on Chet. All right, Mike Smith back for a couple of seasons. Some texts here to 780-496-0063. Gordon says, hello, Reed. Why is the whole city after Zach Cassian? Everyone has bad days at work. Hockey players are the same. Zach didn't have a good year, but wait till fans are in the stands. He will have his best year so he can prove people wrong. And Jordan says, uh, agree with you, Reed, that Cassian might get a shot in the top six. Sounds like that's what Kenny Holland wants. He's not paying him to be in the bottom six. Well, that's a, g- a good point by Jordan. Zach Cassian is paid like someone who should be, um, you know, higher in the lineup, playing with the big guys and being a bit of a protector and finishing chances when he has the opportunity. And like I said, skating, getting his feet going. We will go to the Certainty Hotline and welcome Mike to the show. Hey, Mike, go ahead. Hey, Reed, how's it going, buddy? Quite well. 
That's good. Hey, uh, just want to talk a little bit about the defenseman the orders picked up. I think everybody's disappointed that uh, lose Larson, but if you look at overall, um, with the deletions of uh, Larson and Bear and addition of Susie and, and Bouchard going in full-time, they've got a lot better mobility on the back end than they've had in the last 10 years probably. So I, I like the moves there. I love the Derek Ryan signing. I texted that yesterday, and, and I think that's just a, a great signing. You can't, uh, can't get much better guy than that. Um, Fogel and Hyman, again, that's uh, added some depth. But everybody is talking about, uh, you know, Koskinen and Koskinen and Koskinen. I'm not a big Koskinen fan, but I'm going to tell you right now that uh, if he was tradable, I'm sure Kenny would have traded him away yesterday. I don't think he's oh, movable sure. at $4.5 million. Um, it's obvious that even with Buffalo sitting there with two goalies late yesterday afternoon, they didn't want him either at $4.5 mil. And if you've got to swallow half that contract um, to, just to move him and give away high draft picks, you're, you're better off keeping him for the time being. But uh, I'm hoping that they'll use the uh, second buyout window to buy him out and maybe make a trade for a Gorgiev. Um, uh, I think he's a great goalie and, and uh, you know, at a uh, little about two and a half million, um, you know, basically they're spending $4 million to get another goalie this year. But I think mm-hmm. that they will have to part with um, a Samarukov or somebody like that Right. Kind of draft choice to get that done, but uh, I, I, I'm tired of all the negative people, the the, uh, the so-called GMs, and and um, um, I just think that uh, people have to look at it. And Kenny's doing his job, and uh, you know what? Uh, when we go to work every day, we don't want anybody coming in telling us how to do our job. So I think he's doing a great job. It's a process. It's not a race, and. Uh, um, the process may take another year, but I like uh, uh, where where the team's headed. Mike, thanks for the call, man. Appreciate it. That is Mike at 780-496-0063. Time for anybody who wants to uh, chime in. Jack Michaels is going to pop on. It's Inside Sports on Chet. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Heard uh, Morley with the spot there for the Elks all-time All-Stars. We've been doing that all week here at Inside Sports. We've been revealing the top four in each category. We had Hector Pothe on the show. We had J.C. Sherrod on the show. Uh, Eddie Steele was not a uh, top four in the D-line category, but he came on and talked about the D-lineman as he played with a couple of the go- uh, those guys. Tonight, we have receiver... And Brian Kelly is going to be on the show. So obviously he's in the top four and quarterback. And I think uh, you probably know who the number one quarterback is going to be. I wasn't sure who number two was going to be. Uh, It did turn out to be someone of a more recent vintage. So I will uh, reveal that between 7 and 7.30 tonight. As you know, you can always get in touch with me by texting or calling. I always appreciate texts that um, 
A, I like a little bit of logic. You can be emotional, but I like a little bit of uh, explanation or why you think something is always productive. And if you make me laugh, then that's really good. And these <laughs> got somebody going by the name the One Two Three Kid, which I believe is a WWE reference. Too bad Kellen Kennedy's not working tonight. Uh, the One Two Three Kid says, with all the Oilers' moves, I still trust Ken Holland more than gas station sh- uh, sushi. Well. Probably good, because I, I don't know if there's ever a circumstance. And I love sushi, but I don't think I would ever get it at a gas station. And that's an awkward segue to my good friend, Jack Michaels. Hey, Jack, how's it going? Reed, haven't you kind of coasted through the first 45 years of your life with awkward segues one after another? <laughs> that pretty well, much sums say... up the old uh, Wilkins family tree, does it not? Well, I wouldn't say coasted. It just it just seems that awkwardness seems to follow me around. So I've embraced You've, it at this point. You've coasted. Luke and Judy set you up with uh, a life of ease. And <laughs> now you control a significant <laughs> compound in the shadow of Commonwealth Stadium low these many years. <laughs> well, I, I, first you misidentified my parents as Malcolm and Judy. And now my father has become uh, Luke over the years yeah, or, or tonight also not his bit. name i thought What's i'd modernize that? him a little bit <laughs> yeah well his last uh, his last name's not skywalker so his first name's not luke but that but that's okay how are how are things buddy you, you i know we've been on together quite a bit in in the last week or so but how's life yeah not by choice it should be noted but uh no life is good i uh I certainly think the Oilers, you know, accomplished a lot on day one. Uh, Whatever you may think of the moves, the one thing you can't say is that they were quiet and that they stood pat and just brought everyone back from last year. Uh, They certainly made some moves and some aggressive moves in some instances uh, that are aimed at at, at kind of changing the results, at least the results in the postseason the last couple of years. I think – I think for the most part, Ken Holland, Dave Tippett would be pleased with the regular season results, but no question, having dropped seven of eight playoff games, it was time to make some moves, and they've certainly done that. And and this year was the first year, certainly when you look at Ken Holland, uh, this was the first year where he had some of the pliability to make moves that he might have made otherwise a lot earlier. You know, Jack, you mentioned losing seven out of eight playoff games. And they lost three games in overtime to the Jets. They lost another game to the Jets 4-1, but there were two empty net goals. The Jets got the winner with, I think, about nine minutes left. And then they lost a couple of those games to Chicago kind of in overtime, right? Like there was a late game oh, winner. Oh, they were tight. No question. And then, they gave up so a couple they, of late goals. I mean, they led one of those games against right. Chicago midway so, through the third period and still so, lost. So, and so that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying... I'm not saying, oh, well, you know, they're really good and they're just unlucky. I'm saying, no, like, I think winning close games is a skill. I, I, I really do. I, I know sometimes uh, I'll, I'll get comments from, you know, friends or fans or listeners or whatever, and I know there's, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll, there'll be kind of an analytic-oriented uh, piece that I might stumble across online about about any sport, not just hockey, and say, who's saying, well, you know, a close game, you can't really judge a team by a close game. But I, I think if you're... If you always come up short in a close game, that's that's a problem. That's not a bounce, and that's not luck. And I think for the Oilers, depth scoring and then clutch defending. 
and two things they didn't have in the in, in the playoff series. Uh, I think they've done a good job with the dress with the with the depth scoring. I'm not sure about the clutch defending. Like 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 I'm really not. I, I know there's good reports on what CC did last year in Pittsburgh. Hopefully he finds a, a home here. It's a different defense. I, I honestly don't know if it's a better defense. I don't know if it's a nastier defense. I kind of wish it were. I know Keith can play that way. So I, I'm not quite sure about that side of it. And I'm just wondering what you think. Well, I think number one, Cody CC did a pretty good job in Pittsburgh and he did it. Uh, in front of often very indifferent goaltending. I mean, uh, it's not like Cody Cece played in front of, for that matter, Mike Smith last year. I mean, he he played in front of some goaltenders who really struggled. And that was one of the unsettling things that ultimately, I think, undermines Pittsburgh's season, capped by the misplay in overtime against the New York Islanders, where you know, maybe the Islanders don't go on another run to the conference final. I mean, they should have been dead to rights in that game. And Tristan Jari kept letting them back in it. And ultimately a misplay in overtime cost the Penguins a game. I mean, a lot of people like to bring up, you know, the 2000, I believe 12 series against Philadelphia as, as kind of the beginning of the end of, of Mark Andre Fleury's aura of invincibility in Pittsburgh. But uh, if that was the series against the Flyers lost by Flurry, I'd love to, you know, I'd love to know what the answer was uh, for this year's Pittsburgh Islanders series. I, I think the Penguins were undone by goaltending, and I think it makes CC's season all the more impressive. Now, would I be at least, you know, uh, as someone who's seen Adam Larson the last, you know, four years and seen him play his best hockey of his career last year, if you would ask me. A month ago, would I rather have Adam Larson or Cody Cece in that spot? I think it's safe to say I would have said Adam Larson coming off the year I had. So I agree with you. The defense is different, and there are going to be some questions. And there are going to be some questions about, you know, did they get the right veteran D-man? Could they have made a a, a different kind of push for David Savard? But uh, the bottom line is the Cece's three years younger than Savard. He's... You know, he's got size. Uh, he's not as thick as David Savard or Adam Larson, for that matter. But he still runs about 6'2", 214 uh, on a good day. He'll he'll offer some size back there. He'll offer some stability. Uh, the real key is, you know, how that second pairing will mesh. Because you've got, you know, two brand-new blue liners. As you said, it's a different defense, Reed. It absolutely is. And they're counting on Evan Bouchard. Uh, to add some offensive flair while still being able to defend in that third pairing. Uh, There's still a question mark as to who his full-time partner, at least to start the year, will be. I I think it's safe to say that Chris Russell would have the inside track, but it's also safe to say that the Oilers might not be done kicking tires. I think they've got a couple million uh, of salary cap space, and they're going to certainly look to utilize it in a way where maybe they bring in one more defender. Yeah, and I should tell people, I mean, as, as you and I know, Jack, uh, Cap Friendly is a, a great website and has become a valuable resource for people over the years. You can, here's a, long-term injured reserve is is complicated to explain, but basically there's no point going into long-term injured reserve until you actually go over the cap. So once, you know, when the season starts, the Oilers will go over the cap and they'll put, 
cleft bomb on long-term injured reserve. So right now it says they have 1.2 in cap space. You can really add the cleft bomb 4.2 onto yeah, that. They got to sign Yamamoto you know, and they got to sign Fogel. dollars, Reed, and you've got to get Fogel, Yamamoto, and then, you know, uh, player player C, uh, what, whatever that's going to be. I, I think some Oiler fans are still wondering, you know, is there a move to be made for a goaltender? Is there... Uh, another winger or, or a center iceman that could that could come down the pike. I mean, that's the other thing that was accomplished yesterday is they added more depth down the middle in, in Derek Ryan. And uh, you know, I think I think our colleague Bob Stoffer used the word insulate. Uh, that certainly I think would apply in terms of allowing Ryan McLeod uh, the knowledge that he does have some backup that he's not necessarily just thrown into a spot where he's never succeeded before. I think there's a tremendously high ceiling on Ryan McLeod, but there's also the very, you know, real fact that he's played what 14 NHL games, including the postseason, I believe it is. So, you know, and, and he's, he's yet to score his first goal. So, you know, that's those are those are marks you look at when you look at the unproven uh, mechanics of Edmonton's lineup. But in terms of veteran wingers, I think you've got Shore and Archibald. I think you've got Cassian and Fogel. And I'm not sure. I mean, again, certainly did not get off to a prime promising start last year in his first year in Edmonton. But Kyle Turris is still not 32 yet. He turns 32 next month. And I'm sure he's thinking, I still have tread on the tire. I did not have a good season last year, but I'm going to win a job this year and, and win a spot in the starting lineup. You know, and if he comes to play and if he's ready to go, there is a chance that he will earn a spot on this year's team. I think a lot of people have written him off based on last year, and he was. I mean, he was he was an afterthought. But for a guy with his pedigree, it wouldn't be unheard of that he resurfaces with a strong training camp, earns the coach's trust back, and, and earns himself a spot in the lineup. It's not like he's 40 years old. It's not like he's coming off a major injury. There's still a possibility he factors in in the second year of that two-year deal he signed. Yeah, that's uh, that's an interesting one uh, one as well that that he's still on the roster and he's probably if he does play he's not going to have the expected role that he did last season. But he, I mean, look, we have the twelve forwards penciled in right now. Things change right. with slumps, hot streaks, and injuries pretty much as oh, soon sure. as training I mean, camp I, starts. Look, I don't have him in the starting lineup either, Reed. But I'm also not completely writing him off simply because of his pedigree and the fact that. You know, a, a guy like that sometimes, you know, can, can find it. You know, uh, hey, three years ago, you know, people were thinking Tyler Ennis was, due to injuries and stuff, was out of the league. And, and then he had kind of a renaissance in Ottawa. Uh, look, I'm not – they're not the same type of players. But Kyle Turris is a veteran who could play both center and the wing and who, again, has not suffered a catastrophic injury. He knows this is his last shot. That can be motivation right there. I, I'm just saying, you know, when you start looking at projected lineups, it's very easy to forget about a guy like that. I still think he could theoretically factor in. Do I think it's, do I think it's a strong possibility? No, but I'm not ready to write him off just yet. All right. Uh, Jack, it's great to have you on the show. We're going to be having I, you on throughout the I summer. Mean, that wasn't even, you didn't even make an effort that time. 
No, this is this is a what? Make an effort to do do what? Let you shine. I don't know. You shine I, brilliantly. I, usually, we like to at least grasp some societal problems, or <laughs> oh, be something right. interesting about some random mascot, or I, you know, I don't know what it is. You you ask me for you know financial advice as you set up the multi-layered. <laughs> you're the you're the last person I'm that for may that. or may not be legal in the eyes of the Canadian government. Well, we'll uh, we'll we'll dive deeper into that when there's less hockey news to talk about. I'll come up with some sort of scheme, and, and we can discuss that on the show. That'll be our goal for the summer. Fair enough, Reed. And how? Uh, by the way, uh, yes. you have got to be looking forward to this weekend. I haven't even asked you about that, but you must be glowing right now with the Elks set to kick off the season. I know it's been a long wait. And in all sincerity, I'm very happy for you. I expect you to walk proudly arm-in-arm with the rest of the Wilkins clan uh, for the home opener. Uh, August 7th, next Saturday. This weekend is... Uh, is oh, sorry, Big I'm Brother sorry. Is You're right. You're right. Next yeah, Saturday. My, uh, my dad is doing Art Walk once again uh, at the Army and Navy building. He also did that two weeks ago. And it's my parents' uh, 51st anniversary on Sunday. So it is still a significant weekend, even though the Elks don't play. So it's going to be great. 51 seriously Reed. yes 51 the michaels got hitched on june 13th 1970 it was friday the 13th the wilkins followed suit six weeks later and now all these years have passed and we're united at the hip jack we'll see you soon buddy thanks for doing this see ya that is the always engaging and somewhat unpredictable Jack Michaels, play-by-play voice for your Edmonton Oilers on Ched and on Sportsnet, joining us tonight on Inside Sports. Tonight, Brian Kelly and Pat Steinberg between 7 and 8 this evening. Always good to catch up with my good buddy Pat. We'll give you the results of the votes, your votes for receiver and quarterback for the Elks all-time All-Star. Some pretty big names on that list. Uh, Jack was on the show, had some good phone calls and texts earlier on. I want to play a, a phone call that came in last night from a gentleman who went by the name of D. And I thought his outlook was an interesting one. Here's what D had to say. My whole outlook on this today is... Um, you know, the last two years, we've been a team that has been, you know, fairly entrenched in, in a playoff spot, got beat by a Chicago team in a bubble, got swept by, by Winnipeg this year. Um, you know, the defense core that was the six that were played in the playoffs this year, three of them are gone, one by choice, one by trade, and one we're not signing. Um, yep. this, team, this team today, would you agree this team, is a playoff team in a in a weaker Pacific division. Oh yes, absolutely. Uh, it, okay, so to me, I'm not worried about what they do in the regular season as long as you know there's no major injuries or the goalies you know have an 860 save percentage. What I'm worried about is, or what all I care about is what happens in March and April when we get to the trade deadline, and Ken Holland knows what he needs to tweak and has to pick up a veteran defenseman that maybe is on a you know uh, ending contract or whatever, and he has to you know get somebody in like an Alec Martinez or like that type of a defenseman that would help. I want the team to start winning playoff rounds. And for me, I don't care what Duncan Keith does in the 82 games. I want the Duncan Keith that is closer to what he used to be in the playoffs for 18 to 24, 25 games. I want, you know, a team ready to win some rounds. And I think that the base of this team that they have right now, that they have today, is a lot closer to, to 
getting there than they were before we started. So that's Dee's outlook, and, and I wonder if that's really the core of what we're uh, what we're talking about here. And, and, I'll, and I'll ask you guys this: Like, do you are, are you heavily concerned about the Oilers missing the postseason, or, or, or when we talk, or when we talking about deficiencies in the roster, or are we simply talking about not winning the Stanley Cup and going out in the first or second round and not really threatening? I do think the team has come a long way from. The, the decade of dark. I mean, I can remember doing shows. I mean, I've done eight seasons of Oilers hockey and the first few years, it was like, my God, can we finish 25th? Like, can we not be totally eliminated by Christmas? Even if it's unlikely that they're, they're not going to make the playoffs. I mean, it seemed like every year uh, we'd go earlier or earlier into the season, hoping the Oilers would still be somewhat relevant by that point. So, I, I enjoyed Dee's outlook where he says he's not going to freak out about things that happen in the regular season. Make the tournament, and then do you have the pieces, you know, the experience and the talent and the intangibles and those types of things to actually do damage and get past the first round? And in each of the last two seasons, the Oilers were favored to win those series. Maybe not heavily favored, but, you know, they they were favored to win those series. And, and they weren't able to. So, I, you know, I think that's, uh, I think the way D put that is that he's not, as long as the team is good enough to make the top three in a, you know, might be the worst division in the league. We'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, Vegas should be good. Um, we'll see what happens with uh, Vancouver and Calgary are kind of iffy to me. I mean, Vancouver wound up last in the Canadian division. Um, LA, Anaheim and San Jose, Probably not there yet. Seattle, we'll see. I don't know if they're going to be competing for top spots. So I think it's reasonable to expect the Oilers to to uh, to make the to make the postseason. Are, are the changes enough to thrust them where you think okay, they can actually be dangerous once they get in the postseason, and not just maybe scratch out a round, but then you're clearly not good enough in the second round. I guess that that's probably the the debate that's that's centered around the team. Um, sure, yeah, injuries. Well, that you know, big guys get injured. That would hurt any team. If the goaltending absolutely, I think D referenced in his call. You know, if they have an 880 save percentage or something like that. Well, sure, then you're going to miss the playoffs just on on on, a, on account of that. But you know, power play should be excellent again. Penalty kill hopefully is pretty good again. And if they're a little better or about the same five on five, I think in the division, you you should expect them to be in the top three. So now we're talking about, are they going to be able to go deeper than that? And what future moves are there still to come, right? right. I mean, that's that's the thing. The, the roster is not done being constructed, but now a lot of the work has been done and we, we have a pretty strong framework for it. But I, I like the way D called in and, and uh, and sort of laid that out because I thought that was a pretty good way to put it. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. This texture says the the Oilers look like the nineteen nineties Blues make the playoffs but go nowhere. Yeah, didn't the Blues uh, have some record for most consecutive years in the postseason? They get up to twenty seven or something like that. St. Louis Blues, I uh, just looked up their seasons. Missed the playoffs in 1974. They missed the playoffs in 1979. And they did not miss the playoffs again until 2006. So, yeah, it was a, a, a long time. In the 90s, uh, yeah, always in the playoffs, pretty much out 
every time in the first or second year. Then they had that really good team in 2000, remember, that won the President's Trophy and uh, got upset by San Jose in the first round. 6.30 Chad, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.